Beloved Church of God, beginning our service before the Lord, let us stand and affirm the promise that relates to the door of our hope, that the resurrection of Christ reign in our bodies. Amen. Let us sing a psalm together. Let us bow our heads in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we are grateful to your holy name for this once again privilege to be in this place that your hand has outlined for the worship of your holy name. And so allow your inheritance in the name of the blood of the covenant to be lifted to heights higher than us and to break all burden and sin that binds us in the name of Jesus Christ. May in this place be cursed as before all the works of devil, illnesses, poverty, premature death, demonic dependencies, all forms of fears, depression, destruction, stagnancy, ignorance, all of this let it depart from the tents of your holy people. And stand, Lord, on the place of your rest, you and the ark of your greatness. And may your saints be clothed in your salvation, and may they rejoice before your countenance. Give us more from your Spirit, fill us with your Holy Spirit, and allow us to find your holy countenance. We thank you that this service is presented by Apostle Arkady and to your divine arms, and we ask you to continue to lead it with your high and uplifted hand. Almighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, Amen. May you be blessed. Please be seated. The book of Ephesians, chapter 4, verses 22 through 24, a letter from Apostle Paul. That you put off concerning your former conduct the old man, which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man, which was created according to God, into righteousness and holiness of truth. And the topic of our sermon of relating to this place of scripture was given the right or the anointing of the Holy Spirit to set aside our former way of life, the former way of life of the old man, in order to clothe our bodies into a new way of life or into the new man. And for the fulfillment of this commandment written by Apostle Paul and presented to us in the series of sermons of Apostle Arkady, there are three faithful commands and fundamental actions. This is to set aside, renew, and clothe. And answering these faithful questions will determine whether we turn ourselves into the vessels of mercy, or rather, will we perfect the salvation that is given to us in the format of a seed which yields the deposit of our justification in the salvation that has been gifted to us, which, in these three actions, is necessary to place in circulation in the death of the Lord Jesus to gain it as a property in the format of the fruit of righteousness. Otherwise, we will lose our justification given to us in the format of a deposit forever. And, with regard to this, we have stopped to study the 17th Psalm of David, which opens the contents of a just prayer in the eight names of God Most High, acknowledgement and proclamation of the powers contained in the heart of David in the eight names of God had allowed David to love God and offer Him praise so he could be saved from his enemies. And for God, acknowledgement of the truth in His names in the heart of David gave him the basis to enable his capabilities that are contained in his eight names in battle against the enemies of David. And so, it is impossible to use God in His names if we don't take them in His Word and call Him through His Word, because God has included all of His divine characteristics in the Word, and He has entrusted the Word to us in the format, of course, of the preached Word. This Word, the Bible, the Word of God, God gives it and trusts it to the people of God, the messengers of God, because no one can understand it themselves. Because not one message, not one prophecy was spoken by ordinary people. These were people that were moved by the Holy Spirit. And now it is necessary for God to, for God, for people to be moved by the person. We receive this word in the format of notes. And we take this word and dwell in this word. If a person has placed his mind equal to the mind of God, he has no need to read these notes, but there are none of these among us. 
then they turn to the Bible and they distort it with all kinds of different ways and manners. And so, Psalms 18, verses 1 through 4. I will love you, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my strength, in whom I will trust, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. So shall I be saved from my enemies. Let us all together proclaim these eight names. Lord, you are my strength. Lord, you are my rock. Lord, you are my fortress. Lord, you are my deliverer. Lord, you are the rock in whom I will trust. Lord, you are my shield. Lord, you are the horn of my salvation. Lord, you are my stronghold. May the Lord hear these words and may he perpetuate them in our heart. May he make us firm and immovable in hope. And let, let him make us worthy of these words. In a certain format, as much as God and the level of our faith have allowed us, we have already examined our lot in the powers and promises contained in the strength of the name of God Most High. And so let us turn to studying our lot in the powers contained in the name of God Most High Rock, which according to its components and properties of unearthly firmness inherent to the nature of our Heavenly Father is beyond comprehension to the abilities of man. And so in Scripture, the definition of firmness in relation to the natural property of God Most High is painted in such shades as firm is resistant, strong, healthy, wise, experienced, rooted, firmly established, unshakable, permanent, inexhaustible, long, fearless, impenetrable, full of the power of the Holy Spirit. And all of these characteristics are present in the Word of God. And this Word of God and these characteristics must be placed in our spirit, soul, as well as our body. And the word rock in relation to the name of God Most High finds itself in Scripture and definitions such as stone, rock, heaviness, weight, and scales. Thus, in the powers the name of God rock, the ability of the Most High is concealed to judge or weigh on the scales of His justice every creature He made to give retribution to everyone according to His weight. And to have the authority the Most High contained in His name rock is to have the authority to judge both ourselves and those who are under our responsibility within the boundaries of the commandments and statutes of the Lord. And this is the condition that is required. If we do it within the boundaries of commandments and statutes of the Lord, which we accept it in the preached word, if we judge ourselves and those whom we carry responsibility outside of that context of which we are reading today and outside of the context or the atmosphere of us, pastor does it, then we are going to go against Christ. Or we ought to weigh both the words and actions of the scales of justice of the Most High and the words and actions of people who are under our responsibility. And to learn and put on the unearthly property of firmness contained in the name of God Most High, which satisfies our hunger and thirst and brings us to power over our vocation, we will need to consider four classic questions. And so the first question, what is the essence of firmness enclosed in the powers of the rock of the name of God Most High? Second, what purpose in our prayers is the property of firmness called to fulfill, which is clothed in the powers of the rock of the name of God Most High? Third, what price is necessary to pay in order to be clothed in the property of firmness that is contained in the firmness of the name of God Most High? And fourth, by which results should we judge that we truly have the dignity of firmness contained in the powers of the rock of the name of God Most High? In a certain format, we have already studied the first two questions, and thus, let us turn to studying the third question. And this is how it sounds. What price is necessary to pay to have the right to clothe our spirit in the dignity of the firmness of God so that God could receive the basis to keep us in His perfect peace? Isaiah 26, 3, as it is written, You will keep Him in perfect peace whose mind is firm in you because He trusts in you. 
and we have already looked at a certain price of several certain prices let us remember them and today we will stop to talk about the fifth condition or the fifth price the first price let's remember the first price for the right to have the firmness of God in our spirit is planting ourselves in the house of the Lord Psalms 92 verses 13 through 16 those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. They shall still bear fruit in old age. They shall be fresh and flourishing to declare that the Lord is upright. He is my rock and there is no unrighteousness in him. Here we have talked about how in order to plant ourselves it is necessary for us to have an organized partaking to the heights of the heavens, to the sanctuary, and to have in our spirit a humble and contrite heart. And thus we will be able to plant ourselves in the house of the Lord. If one of these components, height to the heavens, sanctuary, or a humble and contrite spirit, we lack, we can't plant ourselves in the house of the Lord, and this means we can't speak and say, Lord, you are my rock. The price of the second condition for the right to have the firmness of God in our spirit is comprised of demonstrating mercy to the vessels of mercy, and of course, anger towards the vessels of anger. A good man deals mercifully and lends. He will provide firmness to his words in court and under this good man we mean jesus christ who has given us three breads salvation of our spirit soul and our decaying body and he gave this to our new man who is equal to christ and is resembling of christ and now our soul must arrive to the spirit to knock on the door of our spirit and say give me three breads which i have heard that you have the salvation of the soul and the, the salvation of the body so the moral soul that is as a mediator between the body and spirit must knock and say give me this promise that i have heard about and scripture says that the spirit like christ never gives anything according to friendship he gives it according to consistency abraham was a friend of god but did not god did not give to him according to the friendship he was a friend of god but he did not give anything to david also according to friendship he required consistency and firmness this is how he behaves towards his children, his friends. The price of the third condition for the right to have the firmness of God is comprised of walking in the ways of the Lord. 1 Kings chapter 11, verse 38. Then it shall be, if you heed all that I command you, walk in my ways and do what is right in my sight, to keep my statutes and my commandments as my servant David did, then I will be with you and build for you an enduring house, as I built for David and will give Israel to you. This is an important component, and this is necessary for us to walk the ways of the Lord as David did. And how did he do this? First, it was necessary for him to take Zion in battle. And no one wanted to take Zion in battle because the enemy were the Jebusites, and they were a strong enemy. And David was the only one who takes Zion, who took Jerusalem, and made it his residency. For whom? For the church of christ across the whole face of the earth for each individual person so that we can build the same zion in our spirit in our heart and he took this city of zion with jerusalem for the lord jesus christ who is going to reign for a thousand years together with his bride on this earth and of course together with david so he took the zion and we also must take zion and we were shown how to take the city of zion it is necessary for us to have an organized partaking to a virtuous wife, to have those same qualities, or our soul must have those same qualities that a virtuous wife has or the chosen remnant of God has. The price of the fourth condition for the right to have the firmness of God is comprised of us being able to take up the armor of God. Ephesians chapter 6, verses 11 through 20, Put on the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. And further, Apostle Paul says, For this, take up the armor of God, so that you can withstand devil in the evil day. And of course, we must understand that this evil day, no one can pass this. We all will meet with this evil day. And scripture says that you must overcome your enemy in the face of the old man behind which stands the representative of hell, devil himself. 
and this evil day must come this does not mean that it will happen in 24 hours this might be a certain timeline of life for during line there will be period time of life there will be periods in which we will be met with the evil day we must having challenged all of this withstand this and to demonstrate firmness before god and this evil day was in the life of job he had an evil day when the sons of god came to worship god satan came among them and the lord turned to satan where have you come from he says i walked the whole earth and i came to you this body is standing on his knees before you but this body is mine he says on what foundation well i am reigning sin and in this body is the power of death therefore when we bow our knees and bend our knees and when we lift up our hands before god we come to god but we come with our body in which there is the power of death and in which there is the old man perhaps he does not reign perhaps he is sitting in prison but we come with him and each time we in prayer come to this prayer there also comes this power of death and god begins to speak with this power of death he says how did you end up at my worship as I walked throughout the whole earth and I found that I am the king of this world. Well, forgive me, how have we ended up in presence? Says, have you paid attention to Job, this promise that this person has received? He says, I have seen it, but I don't believe in it. For the very reason that you gave a person the promise of the rising of this promise in the format of a seed. And I don't believe that this person this promise that he has received in the format of a seed, I don't believe that he can take it, put it into circulation, and to receive it in the format of a fruit. I don't believe this, he says. And God allows for this evil day to happen. So the evil day is when we are able to affirm our salvation that was received in the format of a seed, and through this evil day in the death of the Lord Jesus, to receive to offer a fruit. Scripture says they overcame the one who seducts not with the blood of the Lamb and not with the word of testimony, but also they had despised their own souls. And this hatred towards our soul is that evil day in which we die to our nation, to the house of our Father, and to our own personal corrupt desires and understandings. This is the evil day. Jesus turned to Simon and said, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked for you to be sown as wheat. And I prayed for you, that you, when you, can, you can affirm to all your brothers and say, the Lord is my rock. Why did Satan want to sift them as wheat, sow them as wheat? Because when Christ said, if the seed falls into the land, it does not die, it will remain there. But if it dies, it will bring many fruits. And devil says, I ask you, Lord, sow the seed that it can bring fruit I will take a look at how many people are going to remain in the church and he said to Simon Simon Satan has asked that that word that I speak so it can it can be sown in your land and so they can bring fruit and he said I will do this but know that I've prayed for you so that you can affirm your brothers because when the seed ends up in the earth it feels loneliness the church is go each each individual saint is going to feel a certain kind of loneliness and i prayed for you he says only for you so that you can preach to them the name of the lord lord you are my rock and you have you will do this therefore it is impossible to transform the promise or salvation that we receive in the format of a seed into fruit if we do not affirm it and satan will never believe the fact that we are able to do this and he never accepts that which we receive in the format of a seed. He only believes the fruit. And when he sees the fruit, he runs away with trembling from this kind of a person. Because his salvation, his promise was affirmed. And unaffirmed salvation, to this kind of salvation, he says, I know Jesus and I know Paul. Why? Because all that Paul says, all of his words, all of his actions, all of his thoughts, they were affirmed in God. And you, who are you? You have not affirmed anything in your life. Therefore, he took power over them, overcame them with these sons of the priests of Skeva, and he had wounded them because all of that which they accepted, they couldn't affirm it. 
And so the price of the fifth condition that we will talk about in greater detail for the right to have the firmness of God is comprised of implanting the order of God into our calling or submitting our calling to the order of God through the courts of justice. Very interesting condition that we can't have firmness if there is no order of God, not just in our church, but the order of God in our essence. If there is no order, there is no firmness and no Lord. And so, the place of scripture that we will read, Exodus chapter 18, verses 20 through 23. Moreover, you shall select from the people able men, such as fear God, men of righteousness, hating covenants, and place such over them to be rulers of thousands, rulers of hundreds, rulers of fifties, and rulers of tens, and let them judge the people at all times. Then it will be that every great matter they shall bring to you, but every small matter that they themselves judge, so it will be easier for you, for they will bear the burden with you. If you do this thing, and God so commands you, then you will be able to endure, and all this people will also go to their place in peace. So in this place of scripture is written about the dialogue between Jethro and Moses. He saw that Moses was accepting the people, and all the people stood before him. He said, what are you doing, son? You can't do this. And Moses said, well, how should I do it correctly? He says, you must conduct complete order. You must have 1,000 rulers, 100 rulers, 50 rulers, and 10 rulers. Otherwise, you will, you, will be, uh, you will be weary, and so will the people. Take upon this divine order. If God commands you uh, and you do this, you'll be blessed. And he accepted this word as for the Lord, which his father-in-law passed on to him, and Israel was blessed. And so Apostle Arkady says that the legitimacy and ability to judge with justice already yields the firmness of our spirit. Perhaps we have the idea that this statement which we have read is too specific because it applies only to the commanding or the ruling group. So the thousand rulers, hundred rulers, fifty rulers, ten rulers. This is the commanding, the ruling group of the church. Well then why do we need to hear about this, people may ask. However, it should be remembered that each of us is called upon to judge ourselves and those who are under our responsibility, including our household, in accordance with the requirements of the order that functions in the body of Christ. So we together can judge each other with the same judgment that we see that occurs in the Church of Christ. The same order is also in our essence. And therefore, first of all, we will consider not a separate group of rulers or commanders, but an individual person whose calling is to have authority over himself within the boundaries of the commandments and statutes that determine the order in which the body of Christ functions, within what limits we are called upon to submit ourselves to the word of the messengers of God. And so let us consider the virtues that are, or the actions that are the price for the right to have firmness in our spirit, to have authority over ourselves in accordance with the requirements established by God in Scripture. And for this, let us turn to the initial phrase of the text we are considering. That sounds like the following. Moreover, you shall select from all the people able men, such as fear God, men of righteousness, hating covetousness, and place such over them. On the basis of this existing passage, four characteristics should be singled out, in the presence of which our spirit will be clothed in the firmness of the Most High, giving us the right to rule over ourselves and those people for whom we are responsible before God. Here are these four components that we will stop to talk about, and today we will look at two of them. This is first to be abled men, to be courageous. Scripture says, if capable, strong, courageous, abled, the rich semantic behind this word, so, the ruler in our essence, as well as in the Church of Christ, they must be able men. Second, they must have the fear of the Lord. Third, to be righteous and honorable. And fourth, to hate covetousness. At the same time, one should note that to command or rule is not to control and not to violate the sovereign boundaries of those people for whom we are responsible before God, but to bring their guilt before God on ourselves and to show them an example of how to submit ourselves to God. First Peter chapter 5, verses 2-4 through 4 says, 
It says, Shepherd the flock of God which is among you, serving as overseers, not by compulsion, but willingly, not for dishonest gain, but eagerly, nor as being lords over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock, and when the chief shepherd comes, you will receive the crown of glory that does not fade away. Here is how we should act toward the church of God and how we should act toward ourselves. So here we see Apostle Peter says we ought not to control those for whom we carry responsibility over, not to violate sovereign boundaries, but to offer as examples. How do we define someone who is controlling? Controlling, he has resentment and he avenges. He will be quiet, but then all of a sudden he's going to remember what you did to him. This is the spirit of control, and this kind of spirit of control must categorically not be contained in people, among pastors, among leaders of cell groups, and so forth. And we must test ourselves so that, God forbid, we violate the sovereign boundaries of people leader of a cell group or those servants that help pastor to tend to the sheep they must take the guilt of those saints for which they carry responsibility over for themselves sometimes a person calls and says i told my sister she didn't listen will i be placed under will i be placed under warning no don't try to punish someone I've paid attention to our pastor. He's a wonderful example. This is a person who can wait, wait, and wait, pray, and preach. Someone says, perhaps we can come up and say directly to a person. He says, I'm, I'm preaching. Can a sermon not knock on the door of a person? It will knock on the door of a person. We can't force a person, do this, and he's going to be do this because he's been scared. Why do we not allow the Word of God, the Spirit of God, to grow and for Him to be corrected? And then He will never make this mistake again. But if we scare Him, He's just going to be scared and He's never going to fix. We must offer an example and wait. And we must never control and violate the sovereign boundaries of those people for which we carry a responsibility. And so four characteristics this is to be abled, firm, courageous, to be honorable, righteous, and to hate covetousness. Let us look at two of these characteristics. This is to be abled and to have the fear of the Lord. So the first characteristic, giving us the right to clothe one's spirit in the firmness of the Lord, to rule over oneself, is the ability to be firm, abled, and courageous. Courage is a kind of characteristic of our spirit that flows from the firmness of the name of the Most High. Courage is also tied to firmness. Deuteronomy chapter 31, verse 23. Then he inaugurated Joshua, the son of Nun, and said, Be strong and of good courage, for you shall bring the children of Israel into the land of which I swore to them, and I will be with you. So be firm and be strong and of good courage. The characteristic of courage that flows from the firmness of the Most High represent a covenant of God with man and man with God. 2 Samuel chapter 23, verses 5-7 through seven. He has made with me an everlasting covenant, ordered in all things and secure. The final goal of a covenant is comprised of the fact that God, in this covenant, promised to adopt our body through His redemption. The word courage in Russian comes from the root of the word husband. It literally means to be a husband. The characteristic of courage is unique in that it on one end includes both males and females, and on the other end, the property of courage is not toward all males and females. Because courage defines not the belonging of a person to a male or female gender, but the function of a person expressed in the ability to proclaim with one's lips the faith of God that abides in his heart. Here is where we have seen this element of courage. Courage is not just the male function, male gender, but it is the ability to proclaim with one's lips the faith that dwells in our heart. Therefore, if a woman or a girl, or like Mary, she proclaims the faith of her heart with her lips, 
And scripture calls her courageous because she is demonstrating this quality of courage in the fact that she proclaims the faith of God with her lips. And if a man who is healthy, who is strong, and he can't pray, the devil will whistle one time, and then this person will will run away scared. But the girls will say, let the Lord forbid you in the name of Jesus Christ, and he will run away from her because she is courageous, because courage is the ability to proclaim with our lips the faith of God that dwells in our heart. Job 38, verses 1 through 3, Then the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind and said, Who is this who darkens counsel by words? Now prepare yourself like a man. I will question you and you shall answer me. So even speaking with God, we ought to be courageous. How? We ought to gird the, our loins with the truth. That's where the courage begins for, for brothers and sisters. When we gird our thinking with truth, but when we are ungirded, then scripture cannot call us courageous. A person who does not have faith in his heart or not, does not have in his heart the faith of God in the format of the truth of the reigning teaching of Christ cannot gird the loins of his mind with truth that is not in his heart so that he can be courageous before the face of God. Because courage coming from the first of courage, firmness of God is not just boldness, which is a property of courage. First of all, courage is obedience to truth united with humility take a look at how wonderful this is written courage is obedience to truth united with humility which discovers itself in boldness that gives us the power to enter the sanctuary by a new and living way so obedience from which flows humility in which gives boldness is courage what is courage courage is boldness boldness to go come before the holy god Scripture says that when they saw the words written, men and men ufersim, it says that they began to tremble. Their knees began to tremble. This is a symptom of the fact that he needs to change his diapers right away. Monarch, when he saw even the finger of God, but we are called to enter into the presence of God. And the second characteristic, giving us the right to clothe our spirit in the firmness of the Most High, or rather going back, courage is the ability to do a deed and to carry it out from start to finish. These two qualities of courage, obedience, humility, boldness, and the ability to do a deed and to carry it out from start to finish. is an interesting first characteristic which gives us the right to clothe ourselves in firmness. We must have courage. Therefore, if we want to have this quality, we need to have all of this and learn a true courage or abled man of God can do his work to the end, to not leave it and to do it to the end. Perhaps he stumbles or perhaps something happens and he can't. He wants to leave it and said, oh, that's all right, I will go back and uh, stop. go back to catching fish. Jesus didn't like this. He said, go and tend to Tend to my sheep, not to fish. Return to your calling, and courage is needed. Why did Peter return with his brothers, with the apostles, to go back and to catch fish? They didn't have this quality of courage yet in them. But when the Holy Spirit came upon them, we don't see again that Apostle Peter would go and catch fish. He continued to tend to the flock of God, and he died for the name of the Lord Jesus and for the church of God, for the truth that was preached there. That was the first characteristic, courage, a very important one. The second characteristic that gives us the right to clothe our spirit into the firmness of the Most High in order to rule over ourselves with perseverance is to be filled with the fear of the Lord. Look at this combination. To be courageous, to be abled, and to be filled, to be found in the fear of the Lord. What an interesting combination, a unique one. We want to say, well, Lord, how about I be courage? No, Lord says, no. You must be courage, courageous and always walk in fear. What kind of fear? The fear of the Lord. We have noted that whenever we come into contact with the nature of the fear of the Lord, we should always know that it is different 
from the fear of man. And we will note that the fear of the Lord and the fear of man are two absolutely different programs that come from two completely different sources that yield the program of eternal life that comes from God and the program of eternal death that comes from the fallen cherubim through the first carnal man, Adam, who became the programmable device for the program of the fear of man, who passed on this program to all of mankind. We receive this program through Adam. The absence of the fear of the Lord before God is punishable by death, expressed in the final break of peaceful relations with God. The fear of the Lord flows from the source of the wisdom of God and is the keeper of this wisdom. And as a program is able to abide and express itself only in the programmable device, which is the reborn heart of man, which becomes a mind of good understanding that abides in the commandments of the Lord. So, in this is written and is presented for us how we are clothed in the fear of the Lord. First, it is necessary to have this programmable device. And this programmable device, out of what we have read, is what? It is a heart that has been born of God. And a person who has a mind in which dwell the commandments of the Lord. And so a programmable device is, for the programmable device for the fear of the Lord, is the heart of a person that has been born of God, as well as a good understanding. These are two things that we must have, renewed thinking and heart. Psalms 111, 10. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and a good understanding have all those who do His commandments. His praise endures forever. The reason for many delusions and stagnations is precisely from what our understanding depends on. Based on the fear of the Lord, or rather because the fear of the Lord and the subject of God's wisdom not only doesn't depend on our logical or rational thinking, but it also rules over it. And therefore, only when we, against the many authorities of man, make our understanding dependent on the revelations of Scripture, only then we can be filled with the fear of the Lord expressed in His marvelous and superior wisdom. We ought to make our mind dependent on the revelation of Scripture. When we make our mind dependent on the revelation of Scripture, we can be filled with this kind of wisdom. A person who knows and is filled with the fear of the Lord is freed from all forms of fears because any other fear that does not come from God causes torment. That is why in the beginning of service, pastor always prays with the words and he destroys these kinds of things in his prayer. Things such as all kinds of fears which express themselves in different phobias through which comes depression and depression brings a person to destruction. In this prayer, we constantly together with pastor pray with this prayer and we say, let all fears, phobias, depression, and the following forms of destruction be cursed. We destroy what? The fear of man, which we inherited from our forefather, Adam. 1 John 4.18 There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, because fear involves torment, but he who fears has not been made perfect in love. And so, the fear of the Lord does the following. We have I've heard that many scriptures have uh, already memorized what this fear of the Lord, someone might hear this for the first time today, or someone together uh, repeat it, together with me repeat it in their mind. And so, the fear of the Lord causes trembling reverence before God and an inexplainable delight because it places a person into the most safest place which is called God. Take a look at what the fear does. Turns out that the fear of the Lord places us into the most safest place and this place is called Holy Yahweh, God. We can't place ourselves in God 
without the presence of the fear of the Lord. That is why any attempt to enter into the presence of God, to call on God and to serve God without the presence of the fear of the Lord, deeply offends God, does not count with God and challenges God. The lack of the fear of the Lord in the heart of a person testifies that this person is bound to the fear of man. Revelation 21.8 But the cowardly, unbelieving, abominable, murderers, sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone, which is a second death. Take a look. The courageous, or rather, excuse me, the cowardly are in front. Full shame. The cowardly, they are in front and they are trembling. But who goes before in Christ's army? Those that are courageous. And what is courage? Courage are those people that have the fear of the Lord. The word fear, wisdom, commandment related to the nature of God are identical because they yield the moral virtues of God. Due to its identicalness, one word explains the other because they come from one another and identify the authenticity of each other. That is why the fear of the Lord is the true wisdom of God presented in the commandments of the Lord, whereas true wisdom in the virtue of the commandments of the Lord is defined by the fear of the Lord that yields the legislature of God. Deuteronomy 4, 5-6 Surely I have taught you statutes and judgments, just as the Lord my God commanded me. You should act according to them in the land which you go to possess. Therefore be careful to observe them. For this is your wisdom and your understanding in the sight of the peoples who will hear these statutes and say, Surely this great nation is a wise and understanding people. Why will they say this of him? Because he has the fear of the Lord. Our body is presented to these peoples that we must rule over. And if our body, if our body in which is this power of death, if it does not see the fear of the Lord in the image of these people, then it will not be able to possess the resurrection of Christ. The people surrounding us and living in our body must say, surely this great nation is a wise and understanding people because they have the fear of the Lord. Based on scripture, the fear of the Lord is based on and comes from the nature, or rather the revelations of the nature of God, sealed in the words that come from the mouth of God that are presented by the Holy Spirit in the unchanging decrees of God concerning everything under heaven. Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 1. To everything there is a season, time for every purpose under heaven, because for every great matter there is a time and judgment, though the misery of man increases greatly. For he who does not know what will happen, so who can tell him when it will occur? He who keeps his command will experience nothing harmful, and a wise man's heart discerns both time and judgment. According to these words, a person who has knowledge of the time in his heart and knowledge of the judgment of everything over which he carries a responsibility before God has the fear of the Lord in his heart. Therefore, to have the fear of the Lord is to regard the word of God expressed in the commandments, judgment, statutes, and decrees on one hand with trembling that stems from knowledge of the order of worship and on the other hand in reverence before this holy order. If, if if we have the fear of the Lord, we must have trembling before this word and reverence before this holy order. Isaiah 66, 2 But in this one will I look on him who is poor and of a contrite spirit and who trembles at my word. The criteria that identifies people who fear God are in knowledge of the ways of God and in their ability to walk the path of the Lord. If we have the fear of the Lord, we have wisdom, and if we have wisdom, then we know the goals which have been placed for us by God, which we are headed to, and we have time, the knowledge of time. The path of the Lord is the will of God, or desire of God, contained in the commandments, orders, and statutes that define and include the unearthly and blessed purposes of God, God strive towards these unearthly and blessed purposes and the means of God that are necessary to achieving these unearthly and blessed purposes. And the ways of man are the motives of a person that is not of the will of God. 
They are the motives of a person who pursues his personal goals, his personal directions, and who try to use their own means as well as the means of God to achieve these personal goals, purposes and goals. We know that it is impossible to pursue good goals using incorrect means, and on the contrary, it is impossible to use correct means to achieve incorrect motives. One and the other are defined as the way of men that contrast the ways of God. Comprehension of the ways of the Lord is the mutual work of God and man, and we are called to comprehend the ways of God only using the means of God, expressed in the fruit of our spirit in combination with the gifts or revelations of the Holy Spirit. As a rule, man's goals becomes not the goals of God, but the means and abilities of God for the attainment of man's goals, which are often the gifts of God, his blessings and his anointing, which a person often tries to use for his own goals. Take a look at what man does when he places his goals. He uses gifts of God, anointing of God, in order to apply them for his own goals and benefit. And today this is happens often among the people of God. You can look at another church that have been created by way of separation. Separation not because truth produced separation, but because people that stand as the head are those that are covetous, those that love power. They are like fish who have tried the blood of man and now they become they become fierce. They are those people who head the church. Any person that heads a church that has been created due to way of separation, not on the foundation of God, but some kind of disagreement within the church, these people, they begin to use the gifts of God, blessing, anointing, to achieve their own human goals. Joel 3.5 Because you have taken my silver and my gold and have carried into your temples my prized possessions. These these are the synagogues of Satan that are created by way of separation. He says, you have taken all that is most precious and you're bringing it into your temples. And this to me is an abominable. All of these things must be in the temple of God. The temples first are the hearts of people who use the means of God for their own selfish goals. And of course, then synagogues of Satan. Let us took look at these temples. Daniel chapter 5, verse 2. While he tasted the wine, Belshazzar gave the command to bring the gold and silver vessels which his father Nebuchadnezzar had taken from the temple which had been in Jerusalem, that the king and his lords, his wives, and his concubines might drink from them. The name Belteshazzar, or Belshazzar, means may the Lord keep his life. Daniel, who was a head wise man in the Babylonian kingdom, was also called this name. However, then, as well as today, Belshazzars and their multitude are not the followers of Daniel, but people who use the gifts of God for the fulfillment of their will and their personal lusts. This is how Apostle Jude described these kind of Belshazzars. Jude chapter 1, verse 12. These are spots in your love feasts, while they feast with you without fear, serving only themselves. They are clouds of that water, carried about by, by the winds, laid autumn trees without fruit, twice dead, pulled up by the roots. Here, Pastor saw Belshazzar. They are those people that, as it is written, they are found among us, they eat among us, they eat this food, and without fear, they fill themselves with revelations. To feed yourselves, feed yourself without fear means, when leaving the Holy Spirit to proclaim your rights to the inheritance of hope, or to not have the life of God like a cloud that is without water and is carried about by the winds of false teaching. Usually the Holy Spirit leaves people not when they sin, but when they hate correction and justify their lawlessness, having been affirmed in their own lawlessness. The Holy Spirit leaves us not when we sin. When we sin, we come and we repent. But when we reject correction, this is when the Holy Spirit departs from us, and we must understand this. That's why when we hear some kind of correction or when the Word corrects us, we will always remember that I stand before the decision so that I, the Holy Spirit may not depart from me. Sometimes we think we are corrected incorrectly, 
This is what we simply think. This is what we simply think. Always, the Word of God has the right to correct us. And there are spheres in which we can direct this revelation of correction into some kind of sphere. And we have spheres where this Word can work and be directed. And we need, ought to correctly react toward correction so the Holy Spirit may not leave us. Proverbs 15.10 Harsh discipline is for him who forsakes the way, and he who hates correction will die. A person who has forsaken correction is a person who forsakes the ways of God that yield the fear of the Lord. This person is likened to a fruitless autumn tree that has twice died. What does it mean, twice died? Died to bringing fruit and died to continuing to live the life of God in the church. You're two different ways. He stopped bringing fruit. He stopped accepting this correction and he stops living for God. And these uh, are like the fruitless autumn trees that have twice died. How can we define that this is an autumn tree? It doesn't die right away. It doesn't just dry out. An autumn tree, it changes its colors. It droops down. It becomes quiet. The leaves begin to fall. A person is closed up. That's it. Autumn has come in the life of a person, and this is very dangerous. These autumn trees twice died. This usually happens when a person is corrected, and all of a sudden, the leaves begin to fall, and this is dangerous. The life of God and life in God produces fear of the Lord. People that do not have the fear of the Lord are people who do not have humility toward the delegated authority of God. This behavior is expressed in their constant criticalness over the, those spheres which they do not carry responsibility over, and in their continual unhappiness toward the order of service and the quality of spiritual food that is offered by God through saints who are part of the fivefold ministry. They always criticize and challenge their virtues and their gifts. Although the reason for their bitterness is not in who they criticize, in who they are unhappy with, but in their unfaithful ways that is evidence of the lack of the fear of the Lord in their hearts. Jeremiah chapter 4 verse 18 Your ways and your doings have procured these things for you. This is your wickedness because it is bitter, because it reaches to your heart. These kind of Belshazzars think that if they become owners of silver that is perishable, that they have received the power and right not to do good, but to teach about how to earn money. According to scripture, special congregations that are focused on how to earn more money can be viewed as the wine of Belshazzar and the vessels from which they satisfy their desires. These are saints who are taken captive by their teaching of prosperity. We can't do this in the Church of God. We can do this outside of the Church of God. There exists certain classes where people are taught financially how to how to act towards finan- finances, and this is good. But God does not like it when these classes are in the Church, when these kinds of emissaries of Satan come and teach and preach how to earn money. This is okay outside of the Church. It's an interesting sphere of finances, but in the Church, God looks at this differently. If any of the saints were allowed by God to become rich and have a lot of money, then this means that He has called this person to do good and not be a teacher. In order to teach in the church, God called upon saints who are part of the fivefold ministry. Romans chapter 12, verses 7 through 8. Or ministry, let us use it in our ministering. He who teaches in teaching, he who exhorts in exhortation, he who gives with liberality, he who leads with diligence, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. The gift and ability to gain riches cannot measure the spiritual level, nor the intellect, nor be an argument that a person uses to prove that he can teach the Church of God. Scripture says of this, 
1 Timothy 6.17, Command those who are rich in this present age not to be haughty, nor to trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God, who gives us richly all things to enjoy. Therefore, to have the fear of the Lord means to trust in the living God, who opens His paths, not to successful businessmen, but to the humble and meek leaders who are appointed by Him among the people of God. Psalms 103, verse 7, He made known His ways to Moses, His acts to the children of Israel. And we know that at Moses it was written about the fact that he was a wise person on the earth. When he was the richest on the earth, Prince, the Lord could not use him. He sent him to learn from his father Jethro so that he could become not the richest person of the earth, but so that he, all of these perishable riches, so that he can consider them as rubbish. And so for him, and for him to find the true riches in the suffering of Christ, and for him to become a wise person. And when Christ saw his image in Moses, or when the Lord saw his image in this burning bush, this was the state of Moses that he came to. He came to such a moment in which he became this dry bush that is burning and not dying out. And God became, began to speak to him through the state of his heart. This is a blessed state in which God speaks. But we can arrive to this state when a person has meekness. He was meek. This is the dry bush. This was a very meek person. And therefore, God will never send a person until God sees his likeness in man. For a person to not become devil and Satan, Apostle Paul, other other apostles, refused to allow those that have just come to God to go to serve. Why? So that they cannot share in one portion with Satan, devil. Because it is necessary for us to be in the likeness of God, to have the fear of the Lord, and to gain the fear of the Lord, this takes years. It takes years. The priests, for 30 years, you can go to war at 20, but to stand before the face of God, it took 30 years. And Christ waited until this age of 30 to come to serve. For the business of a person not to become his idol and deity, and for him not to manipulate the servants of God, business can be learned by those saints whom God has appointed over them to do good to them. And if a rich person does good to a prophet and a righteous man, he will receive the reward of a prophet and righteous man. Because just as the prophet did, he fulfilled his role faithfully. Matthew chapter 10, verses 40 through 41. He who receives you receives me, and he who receives me receives him who sent me. He who receives a prophet in the name of a prophet shall receive a prophet's reward. And he who receives a righteous man in the name of a righteous man shall receive a righteous man's reward. That's why a person says, I accept an apostle. I accept only the apostle. That's great. But the heavens will be will be penetrated, or rather the heavens will accept the righteous. And then we'll talk about other regalia, the reward of apostles, the reward of prophets. Not one person without the reward of, a, of the righteous will enter. Therefore, if we neglect the saints in the church, and God forbid that we neglect a person who represents for us the fatherhood of God. We do this, we will lose our salvation. Fulfilling faithfully our role, in this manner we comprehend the past of the Lord our God and gain power both over those for whom we carry responsibility before God and the world of fallen angels. When we have the sphere of the Lord, they acknowledge this world as well as the fallen angels. They acknowledge the authority of a person who has the fear of the Lord. Second Chronicles chapter 27, 6. So Jotham became mighty because he prepared his ways before the Lord, his God. The essence of preparing their ways before God from the Jewish king, Jotham, boiled down to the fact that he followed the words of priests originating from the sons of Levi. In this case, we should know that even the little with the fear of the Lord is better than great treasure with trouble. Proverbs 15:16. Better is a little with the fear of the Lord than great treasure with trouble. The fear of the Lord 
with which God protects and defends those who fear God to protect them from the cunningness and deceit of carnal people who try to use their labor to satisfy their own interests. And it is one of the names of God. This is where we see the name of God. Genesis chapter 31, verse 42. Unless God of my father, the God of Abraham, and the fear of Isaac had been with me, the fear of Isaac, fear, it should be written with a capital letter because fear is a name of God. Surely now you would not have sent me away empty-handed. God has seen my affliction in the labor of my hands and rebuked you last night. With these powers and with this fear of the Lord, we are able to have. And as we see here, as Jacob said, if God, the Abraham, and the fear of Isaac would not have been with me, means that this fear of God, it is we can't accept it on our own. Abraham gave this fear to Isaac. Isaac passed along this fear to Jacob. These are all those revelations and truths that can't be read in some kind of dictionary or discovered on our own in Scripture. This quality, the fear of the Lord, is presented in wisdom. Wisdom contained itself in the Word. What kind of Word? In the preached Word that God has given to His messengers and they gave to us. That's why if we want to have the fear of God, if we meet a person who says, I have the fear of the Lord, one question. Tell me, tell me the name of your father, your your pastor. says, I don't have anyone. I am sitting in their churches, but I don't march under the beat of their drum. That's it. person doesn't have the fear of the Lord. He has the fear of man. That's why we are going to pray, and may the Lord bless us in this prayer. May He give us in this prayer the ability to destroy the bonds of, of lust, illnesses, fear. When we come with faith to be freed of all these kinds of fears on this altar. Therefore, we will pray and we wait for you at the altar. Therefore, all those whose hearts are are led, come out to this altar and we will pray with you. pray with your prayer and I ask you to deeply believe that God is for you he's not against you he's loved you with his eternal love he has stood between us and our enemies to defend us and to lift us up to his level your eyes close on the element of a secret room your hands raised to the heaven a sign that our hands are without doubt or anger pray along with me Heavenly Father in the name of Jesus Christ, I come to you, and on this holy place, in the congregation of your holy saints, I uncover my heart so that you can see my pain, my suffering, my wounds that is brought on by sin and lust, which I despise and which I reject. I come to you with my illness, with fears with a wounded honor I ask you forgive me wash me cleanse me heal my wound restore me protect me justify me and right now before heaven and hell I want to proclaim that according to your word I am washed I am cleansed I am healed I am restored I am justified, I am saved. Your sins and transgressions are forgiven to you in the name of Jesus Christ. May the Lord bless you.
may come down upon you with his holy countenance and may have mercy on you and give you peace. May around you fall thousands and tens of thousands and not draw near you. May all the blessings in the ancient hills and everlasting mountains come upon you. May with the sound out of your body be thrown out the old man and may in its place be raised up the power of life. May all of these blessings come upon you and upon your descendants. May all the people say, Amen, Amen. All right, we, Apostle Paul, Apostle Arkadi, has given us a very filled sermon, has very many revelations, as you can see. I had time to read it. Therefore, sermon leaders, you have an opportunity to grow deeper in those revelations that we have read. Therefore, let the Lord bless us. Let us not ignore cell group services so that we can affirm the word that we have heard. And let us conclude with our unchanging manifestation. Now to him who is able to keep us from stumbling and to present us before the presence of his glory with exceeding unblemished joy. Now to God who is Savior, who alone is wise, the glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. Amen. Amen.